and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 2, Episode 15. And today's topic is America is not a racist country, said South Carolina Senators Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott. Get the F out of here. You know surely what kind of wine I am drinking. So, ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go. Alright, ladies and gents, once again, it's your boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 2, Episode 15, and today is Saturday, May 1st, 2021, and the weather here in Florida is going to be a partly cloudy day, with the highest of 88 degrees and lowest all 70. So once again, it's going to be another hot day in the Sunshine State. But before I jump right on the topic, ladies and gents, let's talk about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And once again, your boy Casanova is going to give you a, a good wine for the ladies. Well, I tried this wine before. To me, it was okay. But I know a lot, a lot of females that love this. It's not a really, really wine. It's a sangria. It's a capriccio sangria, and this wine is made here in Florida. There's a alcohol percentage of 13.9 alcohol per volume, and the label. The only thing they say the sangria is made with, <coughs> excuse me, pineapple, grape, lemon, pomegranate, orange, pear. Apple, cherry, and lime juice from concentrate. So, let's pour a glass of this joint so you can start this podcast like I always do. Let's take a sip. Well, like I say, to me, it's okay, sangria, you know, as a matter of fact, on the next episode, it's probably going to be next Saturday, I will bring the sangria that to me is on the best in the market, but like I say, for some reason, I don't know what the sangria does, but the ladies that I know of it, and a lot of females love that sangria, so... We're going to have a good podcast today. I found some awesome, awesome articles that's going to know be the support, the basis of this podcast. So let's go, Mr. DJ. Hit it. It's 
going to be a good one today. All right, ladies and gents. So let's go right on the topic. So the reason that I decided to discuss this topic is because I saw the last Sunday on the Sunday show, Senator from the South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Yes, you already know about him. For those that pay attention to politics, he's a special kind of guy. <laughs> Let me just say that for now. So, he was talking about that America is not a racist country. So, I said, hold up, partner. Hold your horses. So, I did my search. I found some information about the particular interview that he had. And also found another article. But this one here, I'm going to start with this article. That was written, was, it's published on the Huff Post. And was written, was published on February 27, 2013. At that time, President Obama was the president, and was written by Young Rifowitz. He's a contributor for the Huff Post. He's a professor of history at the Sunny Empire State College. And the article goes as "Is America a racist country?" and I quote, it says, America is a racist country, unquote. Michael Denzel Smith wrote earlier this month an article, in an article at The Nation. Smith called on whites to acknowledge racist pervasiveness and eliminate it. I won't debate the accuracy of Smith, Smith's assessment on what America is, and I don't know whether or not he was using hyperbole to make his point. Either way, however, his demand that white people admit its truth as part of their pledge to fight racism only discourages some of them from doing what the article's title rightly demands, to give up racism. Smith reduces a complex topic to a yes or no question. Is America racist? 60 years ago, racial discrimination was legal. Most blacks were barred from voting and sending their children to integrated schools. Now, we have a black first family. Keep in mind, this article was written in 2013. As Smith, Smith indicates, that does not mean racism has disappeared, but it does mean a simplistic approach to American racism is inadequate. Was America racist in 1850? Yes. Was America racist in 1950? Yes. Is America racist today? I won't say no, but a simple yes, whatever the substance behind it, ignores Americans' progress. Doing so ensures that many of the whites Smith wants to reach will ignore his message, and I believe there is a more effective way to convince them. Smith is correct that the whites most recognize the racism profoundly affects us all, 
privileging some disadvantages others in countless, often unseen ways. Although Barack Obama certainly agrees in the audacity of hope, he acknowledged that even among racial progressives, rightly or wrongly, white guilt has largely exhausted itself in America. In 2008, racist speech. In his 2008 racist speech, President Obama spoke about the progress America has made on racism, which shows that America can change. But he said America con continuing progress requires the white community to acknowledge that what ails the African-American community does not just exist in the minds of black people. Smith argued the same. Both Smith and Obama details the reality of racism, the lasting effects of past discrimination and the contribution of discrimination today. But first, praising America's progress like, likely helped make some whites more open to hearing Obama's second message. On that also aligns with Smith. White must not only acknowledge racism existing, but take action to address it. A point on which President Obama and Smith differ is in their construction of white privilege. Obama noted that many working class and middle class whites don't feel particularly privileged by the race. He warned against characterizing white resentment over policies like affirmative action as misguided or even racist without recognizing they are grounded in legitimate concerns. Smith, however, simply dismissed whites who characterize these policies as reverse racism. By showing empathy for the perspective of resentful whites, Obama demonstrated a more nuanced approach that has greater potential to convince economically vulnerable whites to rethink their views on racism. Smith, on the other hand, tells these whites to surrender privilege they may not see. It's not about who is right or wrong, it's about what will work. Smith is absolutely right about what actions white people need to take, such as listen to people of color, and his brand of truth-telling is a valuable part of the multifaceted battle against racism. Smith's articles may be terrific way to motivate whites who already agree with him, but we needed to do more than preach to the choir. I'm, I'm in no position to comment on how Smith or any African-American experience racism, but I can offer an opinion on how middle of the road whites might react to his statement. And see right here, there's the final part, our part is, in Chicago, they say, the day after Smith's article was published, President Obama noted 
We all share a responsibility to make this country closer to our founding vision. He emphasized that American, every American should have an equal opportunity to success. Convincing whites to give up racism doesn't mean soft-pedaling its realities. It just means taking a cue from a black man who won enough white votes to make him the president of the United States twice. Unquote. And I definitely I agree on this part right here. Let me find him, find him, find That basically talk about need to recognize, you know, the evil part of the racism and how you, you can overcome that. So I'd like to start with this article right here. Before I jump right on what Senator Lindsey Graham said on Sunday and on Block 2, I'll be talking about the other Senate, South Carolina Senator. But let's go right here on this article and this article was written by John Bowden on the hill <laughs> on the hill ladies and gentlemen and the article is like Graham Graham America is not racist and according to Mr. John Bowden in his article it says Sandra Lindsey Graham Republican South Carolina say Sunday, that was last the past Sunday, that the US was not a racist country but faced racism in the form of bad actors following the guilty verdict in the trial of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer, convinced in murdering George Floyd. During the interview and with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday, Graham explained that his view the U.S. was not a racist country and did not have racist systems, but did face continuing challenges from some Americans who hold racist beliefs. Quote, no, in my opinion, our systems are not racist. America is not a racist country, Graham told Wallace. This attack on the police, police and policing This attack on police and policing reform the police, yes, call them all racist. No, he continued. The South Carolina senator said in a bipartisan compromise on the issue of policing reform could be reached by Congress if Democrats could agree to modify their call to end qualified immunity, which protects police officers in the department from most lawsuits in case of violence. Graham said he would support suing a department instead of individuals. Qualified immunity is a problem. Is a pretty simple solution. Don't sue the police officer, sue the department. Graham said the issue is very 
big deal. Graham continued adding, if you want to destroy police in America, make sure every police officer gets sued when they leave the house. Unquote. His remarks comes just days following the widely anticipated end of Chauvin's trial in Minnesota, where the former police officer was found guilty on three counts related to the Floyd's death, including second-degree murder. Chauvin is now waiting, awaits sentencing. Floyd's, Floyd's death last year sparked a widespread against police brutality and revealed support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Video of the incident sparkled outrage from activists, polit activists and politicians, particularly Democrats, when it was revealed that Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck, which was handcuffed and clearly in distress for more than 90 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the thing right here on this article that he... He says right here, Sandra Grant, about he doesn't want to end the qualified immunity. And nobody's about that law, ladies and gentlemen. And I truly believe that I think, I think the one thing that should change their behavior is because they should be held accountable just like you and I. You know, the only difference between them and you and I is the uniform is the badge. Because if for instance, cop go ahead and smack somebody around for no reason whatsoever. No reason. The cop is completely wrong. Or they're not going to be reprimanded. They're going to basically let him go. Maybe somebody's going to talk to him a little bit, a supervisor or whatever, and let him go. Meanwhile, if I do the same thing to you or if I do anything to the, the, the officer right now, now I'm being charged to assault the police officer, and I'm being also charged if you assault another individual. It to me doesn't make any sense. One thing that I truly believe you change the behavior of all police officers, and what I'm saying is this, it's not all police officers that are bad. I complete, I'm the first one to say that. They do have some bad apples, but also on that note, I have an issue when some police officers that do the right thing are silent when they see another police officer do some stupid shenanigans that they have no business to be doing on. Can call a snitch, can call whatever, but you should stand to what you now for your integrity and to what is truth and what is right. So, my point is this: if the unions, police unions, and the retirement pension funds are the ones that are paying for the lawsuits, I'm telling you right now, they would change. A hundred, we're going to be like a hundred and eighty turn. Because now you touch the pocket. Because most of the times, like the, the Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis, the city, it's 20, I think it was $27 million, that money came from the public fund, from, from public funds, from the, the uh, taxpayer in that area. So those people that live up there, they are the ones that pay for that. Chauvin did not pay for anything. He's going to be in jail, hopefully, for a while. Got to wait for another now seven more weeks to have his finally his sentencing. But all these lawsuits that happen and continue and the family win the money, it's not the police officer that caused the, the death that's paying for. It's not the police union 
And it's not the police know the funds, the retirement funds that I pay for. It's taxpayer money. And to me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever on this situation. And let's say on that note, the boy Casano is going to take a quick, quick, quick break. And when I come back on block two, I'll be talking about this article that I found about now a white woman that was telling the black woman she's in the wrong group area or something like that. Just to say, for Senator Lindsey Graham and doggone Senator Tim Scott, that it is. America is still a racist country. I'll be right back. Ladies and gents, this is your boy Casanova on the block two and final of this outstanding podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, season two, episode 15. So ladies and gents, I want to start this block two on this article that I founded that according to Senator Lizzie Graham, America is not a racist country, but I found this interesting article that was published on... Um, DailyMail.com article written by Lauren Froen and the article says this white woman, woman tells her black neighbor she's not the right color and that goes as I quote a white food bank worker has been fired from her job after footage appeared to show her telling her black neighbor She's not the right color. Fire her ass. Everybody, get caught. I'm glad that the companies and the employees are doing the right thing. Want to be the dumbass, want to be the stupid, want to be racist, lose your job. Don't be cry crying now later. So here we go. The, the woman who is seen wearing a Hillary name badge say, Hillary, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's her shouting Two, during the incident in Colonial Heights, Virginia. Watch me handle this, she yelled. You are not the right color, honey. The confrontation is, isn't part of the woman's work at the food bank. It apparently has been a simmering issue because their children don't get along, according to Laquita Good, the black woman. In the footage taken Thursday, keep in mind this article was published, ladies and gents. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, sometime, I believe, I think it was Monday, something like that, of this, this week. So, it say right here, in the footage taken Thursday, probably following Thursday, I believe, was not this past Thursday. Uh, the white woman later replied, yes, you are not when the good, yes, hold on, hold on, hold on, 
Sorry. The footage is taken Thursday. The white woman later replied, Yes, you are. When the good study asked if her neighbor considered her an N-word. Ooh la la. The clip was shared by Facebook on Friday and started with a Chatfield food bank worker who hasn't been identified, standing on the sidewalk while a mom of a Jew, Laquita, stands on her porch. The woman wore a Hillary name, badge. A second video appeared to confirm the police were called over an incident. It is unclear if any investigation is ongoing. The food bank apparently became aware of one of its, work, one of its workers have been involved in an incident. Laquita told the, the, the DailyMail.com, I feel like a prisoner in my own home. She has called me many names before, but to hear her being racist, that really shocked me. You should be able to feel comfortable in your own home. This is not acceptable. We still have a long way to go as a society for equality. Chesterfield Food Bank said in a statement Friday, we want to thank everyone for reaching out to us in regards to the video and story that was posted this morning regarding a confrontation between an individual and one of our employees in their neighborhood. We are here at the CFB, are brokenhearted to feel this conduct, conduct, and it goes directly against our values and beliefs. We are honored to serve everyone in need with dignity and integrity. In response to the situation, we have terminated Hillary's ass. <laughs> they don't say Hillary's ass, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. Hillary, you are now on the unemployment line. We remain committed to creating and providing a positive, uplifting, and encouragement environment for all staff, volunteers, and clients. The CFB CEO, Kim Hill, told the Progress Index it was between neighbors and is still sad and unfortunate situation. So this is one example, ladies and gents, that yes, America is still a racist country. Is not all Americans racist? No. Are all white people racist? Of course not. You know, but unfortunately, we do have many, many, many white people that still hold on to the you know, the old flag, you no, know, the Confederate flag, the the good old days, you know, that they believe they are losing, and I I told that before in the last season episode, and I'm always going to say that these America is a stolen land, period. So I don't want to hear no shenanigans say this is my country because it's not. If you are a Caucasian and a white person, this is not your country. You were born here. Your ancestors came here for more likely for another land, 
from Europe, more likely, you know, you kill, you betrayed, you did all the crazy atrocities against the Native Americans. So stop the nonsense. Stop the nonsense about the shenanigans. You know, and I truly believe that there, that there is always room for improvement, ladies and gents. There is always room for improvement. And I also like to play this really quick video. Uh, I'm going to play just a snip of it because this video was 15 minutes and I'm not going to be too long on my podcast to talk about this. But this was Senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott. One, he was giving the GOP response of the President Biden's address to Congress this past week. So, I'm going to play some of this right here. This is near problem, and then I'm going to talk about the fact-checking of what he said. Hit it. And here is Senator Tim Scott. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, but President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. I want to have an honest conversation about common sense and common ground about this feeling that our nation is sliding off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. Growing up, I never dreamed I would be standing here tonight. When I was a kid, my parents divorced. My mother, my brother, and I moved in with my grandparents, three of us sharing one bedroom. I was disillusioned and angry, and I nearly failed out of school. But I was blessed, first with a praying mama, And and let me say this to the single mothers out there who are working their tails off, working hard, trying to make the ends meet, wondering if it's worth it. You can bet it is. God bless your amazing effort on the heart of your kids. I was also blessed by a Chick-fil-A operator, John Moniz. And finally, with a string of opportunities that are only possible here in America. This past year, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that helped me up. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life, but for months, too many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saddened that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a single day. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, 
powerful grown-up set science aside and kids like me were left behind. The clearest case I've seen for school choice in our lifetimes because we know that education is the closest thing to magic in America. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our schools, our hospitals, saved our economy, and funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines in record time. All five bills got 90, 90 votes in the Senate. Common sense found common ground. In February, Republicans told President Biden we wanted to keep working together to finish this fight. But Democrats wanted to go it alone. Lies. They spent almost $2 trillion on a partisan bill that the White House bragged was the most liberal bill in American history. Only 1% went to vaccinations, no requirement to reopen schools promptly. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. Another issue should, that should unite us is infrastructure. Republicans support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure. Roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband, we're in for all of that. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste, plus the biggest job-killing tax hikes in a generation. Experts say when all is said and done, it would lower wages of the average American worker and shrink our economy. Tonight, we also heard about a so-called family plan, even more taxing, even more spending, to put Washington even more in the middle of your life, from the cradle to college. The beauty of the American dream is that families get to define it for themselves. We should be expanding opportunities and options for all families, not throwing money at certain issues because Democrats think they know best. Infrastructure spending that shrinks our economy is not common sense. Weakening our southern borders and creating a crisis is not compassionate. The president is also abandoning principles he's held for decades. Now he says your tax dollars should fund abortions. He's laying groundwork to pack the Supreme Court. This is not common ground. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, 
I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments, but Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. All right, ladies and gents, I'm going to stop right here right now, and I'm going to do I fat checking on everything that this senator say. So, let me go right here real quick. All right, according to political, political, fact, fact, fact checking, Senator Tim Scott response of President Biden. Okay, so this was written by Louis Jackson and Amy Sherman. <clears throat> and he said, I quote, the U.S. Senator Tim Scott, Republican South Carolina say President Joe Biden is dividing Americans as has failed to deliver on his promise of unity. I want, quote, I want to have an honest conversation, as Scott said, about common sense and common ground, about this feeling that our nation is lighting off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. And Scott says, Scott, the senator of the lone, lone black Republican, was chosen to deliver the GOP rebuttal to Biden's speech to the Joint Session Congress that happened this week. Scott has been at the forefront of Republican efforts to offer a compromise to Democrats' policy reform legislation following the murder of George Floyd. So, Mr. Jackson, Jacobson and Ms. Sherman say we fact-checked five of Scott's claim finding of mixed bag for accuracy. So, first one, when he say Republicans support everything you think of when you think about infrastructure, roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband, we are in for all of that. Less than 6% of President's plan goes to roads and bridges. That's why he say. Now, the check fact is roughly 6% of Biden's proposal is devoted to roads, 
roads, bridges, and highways, but this leaves out other items that have been long been considered infrastructure by politicians of both both bodies. And both bodies, hold on, got it. And that Scott cited in his speech, when combined with the spending of roads and bridges, this proposal, these elements total six hundred and eighty-three billion, or about twenty-six percent. Not only six. John, uh, this bill also includes funding for public transit, eighty-five billion, passenger and freight rail, eighty billion, airports, twenty-five billion, ports and waterways, seventeen billion. Protecting critical infrastructure and increasing resilience of land and water resources, 50 billion, high-speed internet, 100 billion, power infrastructure, 100 billion, and drink water supply systems upgrades, 111 billion. Republicans have criticized Biden's plan for including items not historically thought as infrastructure, including 40, 400 billion for expanding access to long-term home and community-based care under Medicare. So here we go, number one. Second check fact, under President Donald Trump, wages were growing faster for the bottom 25% than to the top 25%. That was Senator Scott saying. Facts, data from Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta back this up, but it wasn't unique to Trump. It was also true that for most of President Barack Obama's final two years in office, and the trend is holding under Biden. However, the underlying metric month wage growth excludes non-wage income, such as investment income that adds to the gain for those at the top of the economic ladder. Third one, Sanders Scott say, just because COVID, we had la la la, the lowest unemployment ever recorded for African Americans, Hispanics, and Asian Americans, the lowest for women in nearly 70 years. Fact, this is, this is exaggerated even beyond ignoring the recession caused by the pandemic. On Trump's watch, the unemployment rate did hit historical lows for blacks, Hispanic, Hispanics, and Asian Americans, and it hit a roughly 70-year low for women. However, the rates for each demographic started creeping up prior to the pandemic. Black unemployment ticked up by 1.6%. Percentage points between its August 2019 low and March 2020, when the pandemic hit, Hispanic unemployment rose by two percent, two percentage points between its September 2019 low and March 2020. Asian Americans. Unemployment increased by 1.9 percentage points between its June 2019 low and March 2020. And, un and unemployment for women rose 
by 1.1 percentage points between its September 2019 low and March 2020. Got two more fact check right here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. By the time Trump left office in January 2021, each of this group saw their unemployment rates rise by multiple percentage points above their unemployment, above the record lows. Four percentage points highest for blacks, 4.6 percentage points higher for Hispanics, 4.4 percentage points higher for Asians, and 3% points higher for women. Another lie from the Senator T. Scott. It, it will be easier to vote early in Georgia than in the Democrat-run New York. Lies. This is accurate as pertains to the number of days of early voting. Georgia has offered early in-person voting for more than a decade and has days and has more days than has New York. The new law in Georgia requires 17 days of early voting, but counties can offer up to 19 days, including optional Sundays. Georgia used to require 16. Counties must offer early voting from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but can be extended from 7 to 7. In 2019, the New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law to allow for nine days of early in-person voting, including four weekend dates. The law says that polls shall be open for early voting for at least eight hours between 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. each weekday during the early voting period. It also states that at least one polling place shall remain open until 8 p.m. and on at least two weeks days. On the weekend, polls shall be open for at least five hours between 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Scott omits that there are some ways that New York voting law are more generous than Georgia. For example, Georgia has no longer election day voting hours. And the last one lies from Senator Tim Scott is our public school should be re- should have reopened months ago. Private and religious school did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. Scott's statement about what the science has shown is generally accurate, but omits public health expert warning that schools should implement infection control precautions. Most private and religious schools have been open for the majority majority of the school year, and the vast majority have been extremely successful with the minimum in school transmission, say David Rosen, an assistant professor at Pediatrics, Pediatrics at Washington University in St. Louis. But this is based on the premises that schools are performing the proper mitigation, especially universal masking, and preventing symptomatic children from being in the classroom. 
There have also been many examples of large public school districts that have had very few cases of COVID-19 transmitted in the classroom, Rosen said. The American Academy of Pediatrics released guidance back in June 2020 that said our policy considerations for the coming school year should start with the goal of having students physically present in school for the fall 2020 semester. The recommendations include requiring students to wear masks, maintain a physical distance to two, three to six feet apart, and potentially including testing and temperature checks in the safety protocol. Schools have increasingly opened for in-person instruction through, throughout the year, but some remain virtual. As, April, as of April 19th, 4% of the districts are fully remote while 47% of districts are fully in-person and about 48% districts are offering some type of hybrid instruction. According to the track of the American Enterprise Institute, Rose said it was right the right thing to do to shut down schools in March 2020 when we did not know how much about we did not know much about the virus. Quote, we continued to learn over the summer 2020, and by the fall, it was pretty clear that the virus was not as morbid in children, and the mask was very was key in preventing person-to-person spread, Rose was saying. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, you know, the GOP is going to come, the Shenan is going to come, excuse, and we already know it's clear, it's clear that they, they are not, they do not they have an agenda, for the people, it's clear that they don't have any proposal, any good proposal, because they are so concerned now about cut the money, don't do that, but where, well, where were they for the past four years when, when Trump was just going crazy and the deficit no one's off the roof, no, nothing. They say nothing. So I don't want to hear the excuse, man. It's going to cost money to make money to help people. That's what it is. Because at the end of the day, he passed, no, the Republican passed all this extra money for the wealthy people. And for Senator Scott, they have the, the, the audacity to say there is no racist, you know, America's not a racist country. He's the one that if they're not respecting him, was ignored by their own Republicans. I don't know if you can Google, you can see when they passed that bill that helped uh, a lot of money for the wealthy, the tax break. Now he tried to shake uh, Michael Spence's hand and he got completely ignored in national television. So for him, and even though he's a senator, he'd be stopped by the police many times in his state. So for him to have the audacity to say that America is not a racist country, man, get out of my face with this shenanigans, you know? And unfortunately, you unfortunately have some of those two out there that are still in denial, even though you feel black, or if you're a minority, in denial of your own worth, worth, and in denial that we can do better, you know? So senators, or this both senator from South Carolina, 
are completely stupid in my point of view. They are completely... Now, I have no respect for those two senators from South Carolina, ladies and gents. So, on and... That's basically what's basically that's basically what I, I believe in what's going on, ladies and on this two right here. And they can do better. But like I say, I don't believe the Republican has the best interest of the people for this country. They are having uh, interest in keeping the power and have the interest to give money for those that want to put the money in their campaign. So that's what I think on the GOP. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, I would like to thank all of you people listening to this awesome international podcast. Please keep sharing with all your friends and family. Good wine and great laugh is coming from the, all the way from the bottle, moving straight to the top, reaching to get to the number one spot. Once again, this is your boy Casanova. Feel free to visit my Facebook page, Good Wine and Great Laughs by Casanova the Comedian. You can also go to my website, Good Wine Great Laughs.wordpress.com. You have all the episodes published over there. You have uh, once you click on an episode, you want to make a comment on each episode. Feel free to make any comments that you like it. Let me know what you think. If you have anything else like me to discuss, holler at your boy. And on that note, please be safe, be kind, and be blessed. I will see you next week. Let's get out of here. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the top.